so yeah, thank you, thank you both for joining. Uh, it's great to to have you here uh, uh, on our on our, our podcast here. Um, would love to hear uh, maybe a, a quick introduction from you both. Learn about your what your background was before before levels, and then and then we can get into what levels is and and go from there. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I can start, I guess. So my name is Zahir. Um, I've uh, been in the industry for about five years now. Um, I was uh, graduated from UC Irvine and uh, straight out of college, I went into to work for LinkedIn. Um, so I was at Link, working at LinkedIn as a software engineer for about two years. Uh, I got promoted there once to senior engineer. Uh, and then after two years, I left LinkedIn uh, to work at Amazon um, and part of Amazon Web Services, so AWS. Uh, and over there, I was there for about three years. Um, I got promoted once over there as well um, and left uh, late last year uh, to go full-time on Levels. Um, that's kind of my background. Um, and we can give like a Levels background after this, I guess. So. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks to you. Hey, everyone. Zahir. I'm Zuhair. And uh, I'm sort of like the antithesis to uh, Zahir in a lot of ways, just because uh, I have a lot of startup experience versus like big companies. Um, I graduated from Berkeley around 2018 and uh, went into like a startup straight away um, uh, with a few friends. And uh, it, the idea was essentially kind of allowing people to kind of uh, treat Airbnbs as showrooms um, and you can kind of purchase like uh, items that you find there later. Um, in hindsight, that probably wouldn't be doing very well right now. But um, but yeah, like pretty soon after, like uh, we realized like thing, things weren't really working as well. And uh, on the side, I was working on Levels RFYI and um, we quickly realized that there was a lot of potential with it. And so I went full time actually around a year ago. And so I've been full time around a year for a year now. Um, but like uh, it's been a side project for around three years. So it's it's been a long time kind of coming and. Um, we finally took the leap kind of last year. Nice. And and how did you two meet? Oh, yeah, that's that's actually a pretty funny story. We both have like a mutual friend um, from Irvine. So, so Zahir went to UC Irvine. I went to Berkeley. So we weren't like super close, but we actually lived pretty close to each other in the Bay. Um, and we didn't really know each other, but um, a friend of ours introduced us saying, hey, you guys live pretty close by. And um um, so my friend, uh, his, his, his name's Quadra. He like, he went, he lived in Irvine and then he went to Berkeley. So that's how he kind of connected us. And then, um, and his kind of like, uh, main point around connecting us was, oh, you guys have very similar names and you guys work on side projects. So you guys should meet. And like, we met, we met up and pretty shortly after we started working on like, you know, levels of FYI. And, um, we were kind of just ideating like, um, for a few meetings before that, but, um, we kind of got straight into it. It was like our first meeting. We started talking about ideas. Wow. Just uh, entre uh, entrepreneurs in, in like shared spirit. Um, <laughs> cool. And I imagine that, that, that big, big company experience and that startup experience that you, you both have having both being able to bring those two different perspectives to the table, I imagine is immensely helpful in, in, in building out uh, levels. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, especially because we're so focused on the tech industry and the tech industry, like in compensation, especially varies a ton across startups and uh, and larger companies. So having like, you know, the both of us having seen both sides of that coin is like immensely useful um, for that. Yeah, options versus RSUs, like it's a big thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and and also like building out a product, right? Like the the there's like making it so it can scale. There's making it so it, it gets started. Uh, right, right. Like yeah. I can imagine so many different levels of levels of uh, interaction between you two, and and I'll use the business phrase synergy. Yeah, yeah, of course, cool. definitely. So I'd love to hear a little bit about about how levels got started. Like where, what was like the was there like a seed like like mm-hmm. genesis for it for for why and then and then how did it evolve to what it is today? Yeah, um, the background of levels is basically that um, we were kind of looking. Um, you know, for me, I was looking uh, when I was transitioning jobs. I was actually looking to figure out uh, what level should I come in. At join Amazon at. Um, I had got promoted at LinkedIn. I wanted to make sure that I got into Amazon at the right level. Uh, similarly, around the same time, uh, you know, this was around the time that we we both had met. And Zahir was also looking at, you know, the the leveling, uh, like what is leveling uh, when he's applying to roles, things like that. And so we were we we're actually scrolling through an app called Blind, uh, and uh, a lot of people were. We saw a lot of people asking the same questions around leveling. Um, and and, and what is Blind point, for 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 folks who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, so Blind's like kind of a it's kind of a forum for uh, chatting anonymously with uh, with colleagues uh, and other people in the tech industry. Um, now they've expanded to other industries as well, but kind of just an anonymous forum. Um, and so, you know, we we saw a lot of people asking the same question, and we asked ourselves like, hey, is there a better way to to answer this question for everyone? It's it's a very common question. There must be like a good um, you know, there's, there's maybe there's something we can do to help answer this question and put together a resource for people. And that's really how it started. It was uh, putting together a resource about leveling at different companies. And that's exactly why the company is actually called Levels.fii, um, because, you know, all we did at, when we started was help people compare levels across different companies. Uh, and so um, just to give an example on that, Google calls their levels when you join as an engineer, you start out as like maybe a L3 and then you get promoted to L4 and then L5 and so on. Uh, whereas Microsoft, uh, they have a completely different numbering scheme. So their levels are something like, you know, like uh, 60, 61, 62, 63. And so for people that don't actually work at these companies, it's very hard to know, okay, I'm at L4 at Google. What level should I get into Microsoft? At? Is it a 54? Is it a 55? Like I have no idea. And so, you know, the first, uh, the V1 of the site was, we just put together a mapping of comparing those different levels. Uh, now, as we sort of got started, we realized, hey, people are interested in not just in leveling information, but also salaries for these different levels. Um, and slowly we added a salary feature. And, you know, in some ways that has like overshadowed the rest of the site where a lot of people are, people are obviously very, very interested in salaries. Um, and so, you know, now we've added salaries and we're looking to add more features and things. Um, how c- our mission is basically starting to revolve around how can we help people make better career decisions, um, providing them with the tools and information they can use to actually help them make those uh, career decisions. Yeah. And I think as Zahir mentioned, like before, I think our website, uh, this information kind of lived in silos almost because Blind was one of the apps where like we saw this question arise, but, you know, it was really across the Internet. And like, there was no centralized place you could go to like find these levels, but you like, instead you would kind of have to go through like all these questions and individually kind of do your due diligence. So I think in a lot of ways, we kind of just aggregate a lot of this information. Okay. So it was, it was bringing it all together. So it's not just spread out all over the internet. 
Um, yeah, and and people- providing some nice visualizations, I guess, uh, on top as well. So you're not just reading text, but you're actually kind of imagining what like your level is and like where you actually translate to. Yeah, in some ways, I would see us as kind of democratizing this data. Whereas, like a lot of people knew if you worked in the top tech companies, you kind of had a good understanding of these levels and things. But you know, it was a very like it was kind of like tribal knowledge where you know a certain group of people knows it if you're kind of into the community. Um, but a lot of other people that are just entering the field, or maybe people that weren't working at these traditional large tech companies, didn't know what that meant. Uh, and so we're hoping to break that down and make it easier for those folks as well. Yeah, bringing into comments. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, and that's that's definitely something that we we hear at Outco too. Is is where am I? What can I get to? Well, how does this translate? So that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense. And and how do you get the data? So how are you how are you gathering this data and and verifying it and keeping it up to date? Yeah. Um, so we, um, we, uh, all of our data is pretty much crowdsourced. Um, so we ask folks to contribute the leveling at their company or to contribute salaries and things for their company. Um, and we have like a number of ways that we actually verify, uh, the data. So one is we'll obviously, at least early on for the initial set of companies, um, having worked at some of those companies and knowing people that directly work at those companies, it was pretty easy to actually verify and check uh, with people directly at the companies. Hey, is this, what is the leveling and things like that? Um, slowly, as we've expanded, we've had to rely more on uh, one, obviously the contributions from people, but also we'll verify through, you know, like we'll check LinkedIn. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try to find sources directly at the company when possible. Uh, our main source is if we have access to like a leveling guideline, uh, so for every level, a company usually publishes like a rubric of, hey, what are you expected to do or to meet at that level? Um, what are your roles and responsibilities supposed to be at this level? And so based on that, we can actually generate the mapping and seeing, okay, these roles and responsibilities for company A are similar to, you know, level, uh, you know, whatever level three at this other company. Uh, and we can make that, uh, that mapping. Uh, on salaries, uh, we recently we started collecting offer letters and W-2 statements, any other sort of uh, proof document. Uh, and that's actually how we've begun to actually get verified salaries, which is kind of a first, um, you know, online. I don't think um, there's any other site today that actually has verified salaries that are, you know, publicly uh, displayed. Um, but that's something new that we've we've started recently. Yeah. And I think like just to add in, um, we also do some basic kind of statistical like analysis, like as we get more like a larger volume of data coming in, it becomes easier to kind of just like weed out outliers and kind of just give you accurate pay ranges across like different levels at different companies. Okay. And, and I, I'm, I'm interested to hear, um, y'all mentioned this, this, the, the leveling rubrics I, that I, it's ideal if you can, if you can go to sort of go to like the original source. Um, I'm interested, what, what do you usually find on these rubrics? And, and um, maybe I'll, I'll have some other, other questions about these rubrics as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the rubrics are fairly, um, it's fairly simple. I mean, uh, in the sense that it's, it's just, uh, it's, you can visualize it as literally a chart of where on probably, I guess, uh, on one axis, the y axis, you'd have the different levels. So, for example, L3, L4, L5, and so on. 
And then on, on the x-axis, you'll have all of the different roles or responsibilities. So for example, um, or what are the certain criteria that they're judging each level on, right? Um, so scope of responsibility, are they leading a team or are they executing autonomous, uh, like just independently? Or like how big is the team that they're leading? Is it two, you know, is it uh, 10 people or five people or 15 people and so on? Right. Uh, so that's one maybe criteria. Another criteria could be like, um, uh, how, what are you, uh, what is your execution like looking like? Are you a top performer? Is it, you know, is the stuff that you put out actually, um, executing efficiently, um, and all those sorts of things, uh, in terms of code wise? Um, and th- so on, there's, there's other sorts of like metrics that engineers are judged for. Uh, and we can get into that as well, like um, maybe talk about like what what does that look like and what does it take to actually move from one level to the next. Um, but that is essentially the rubric um, of what these companies and every company or most companies that have a leveling defined will actually have this because that's what the hiring managers and that's what the engineers will be looking at and referring to to figure out, hey, how do I move to the next level? Anything to add there, Zuhair? Um, no, I think, I think that was pretty comprehensive. Yeah. Scope yeah. 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 And, and so I, 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 you, you read my mind. I, I would definitely like to hear more about, um, you know, how, how do, in, in your experience, how do companies measure against these, these rubrics? Uh, how do they, how do they say this criteria is met or not? Um, and then I'd, I'd, I would be interested in, in taking it to the next, the next step after that of how do you determine, um, uh, your sort of mobility within that, uh, or, or transferability between between companies. But we can start with just just the the measuring uh, on the company side first, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. So um, maybe we can start with like I guess like an engineer one, right? What is the roles and responsibilities of like a first level entry level engineer? Um, typically, the like the, at an entry level role. You're not expected to lead a team. You're not expected to have sort of influence outside of, uh, you're not expected to really have influence necessarily with your peers. Um, you're not in- expected to advise anyone uh, typically or anything like that. Um, you're simply expected to execute on whatever tasks that you're given, right? Um, and so, you know, let's say I'm entry level one and I'm given a project. Uh, the main thing that I'll be judged for is, hey, am I being, uh, am I executing that task on time and is it being done correctly? Um, so it's fairly straightforward at an engineer one level. Um, now, how do I transition to an engineer two? How do I become a senior engineer or second level engineer? Um, now that's where you'll want to look at like what, what does a senior engineer do? Um, so a senior level engineer typically is influencing a team, um, influencing, uh, an immediate team. So this is probably on the range of, you know, three to 10 individuals, um, just depending on the company and things like that. Um, so they're influencing a small team. They're not leading that team necessarily, just influencing. Um, and, you know, in terms of the, the problem space that they're solving, are they now, uh, as, as a senior engineer, they're expected to be given a problem and uh, figure out how to solve it. Whereas at an engineer at one level, typically they're being told, what to do, how to, you know, they're being told the solution to the problem and just coding up that solution, right? Um, in terms of impact, they're working on slightly larger problems, right? It's not just executing a smaller task. They're trying to build maybe a system now, right? Um, and so 
um, very different than an engineer one responsibility where they're just focused on the self. The engineer two is starting to focus on, okay, um, you know, trying to focus more on the team and, and, and influence their peers. Um, and the, the subsequent levels are really just a broadening of engineer two, uh, influencing more people, right? Uh, surrounding not just your immediate team, but maybe, uh, you know, sister teams, teams that, um, you know, teams that maybe depend on your team or maybe teams that, you depend on. Um, so as an engineer three level, typically you're not just influencing your team, you're starting to influence other teams. Um, you know, you're not just uh, leading uh, one project, maybe you're leading multiple projects and helping, uh, you know, keep multiple projects accountable. Uh, and you're influencing the senior engineers, not just the, you know, the engineer one. And the components that you're working on are not maybe just one system, you're working and designing multiple systems. Right. Um, and that kind of the thing is that at every company at a smaller company, uh, you know, you can maybe, um, you know, something that, that's interesting at a smaller company, you may not be able to reach, uh, you may not be able to even get the experience that a principal level engineer at a big company gets. Why? Because the systems at a smaller company sort of reach a cap like, OK, this is the, the complexity of systems at a small company may not be as complex as the com complexity of systems that you'd get find at a bigger company, right? And so that's why even if you are the top dog at a startup, that's that would, you know, you may not be the top dog at Amazon, obviously, right? You would probably fall in somewhere in the middle line uh, of the leveling sphere at Amazon because of the complexity that Amazon has. The Amazon scale would be like super different than, than a startup, obviously. Um, and so, you know, uh, hopefully that helps uh, answer some of the things around, okay, what does it take to go from a, a engineer one to a two and, and so on, right? It's really just a broadening of these roles or responsibilities, primarily around scope and influence, the scope of the problem space that you're working on and the scope of the influence, the number of people and the number of teams that you're influencing. Yeah. And we, we got a chance to kind of codify a lot of this um information into like a standard that, that we um, produced. It's uh, available at levels.fy slash standard, but we basically outlined some of the scopes and responsibilities across these levels and um, all the way up to, I think, like even distinguished engineer where your impact kind of just spans across the company and the in and industry usually. Um, but um, but yeah, like I as Zaheer mentioned, I think starting from a senior level, I think that's where like technical guidance becomes more important like you provide guidance to the teams you're on and like that that influence slowly just increases as you go up in in level um yeah okay and 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 how did you go about standardizing these these scopes like that that's an that's an interesting like that's that's sort of like one of the uh uh i don't know i don't i don't know the the the, the secret spices like the the secret sauce like I'm, I'm really interested to hear how did you how do you how do you know that you're uh when you're saying this is equivalent to this or these two levels are equivalent to this one level how do you make that uh uh determination yeah, I think a part of it has to do with just us uh, kind of going through a lot of these um, scope and responsibility documents and just kind of mapping, um, you know, different kind of levels to uh, to each other at across different companies. And, um, you know, one thing we do in addition to that is also look at where people are coming in when um, people are hiring or recruiting. Like if, if um, I'm a Google L3 engineer, and I come in as like an E4 at Facebook, then that shows me that like there is some overlap of responsibility there. And like 
um, there's something there. And we, we try to like document a lot of this information so that we have like some sort of map of like where people are going and what levels they're coming into. And from that, I think that's where we kind of derived like a normalization of, of the, the levels and the standard that we kind of created. Um, obviously the whole site kind of serves this purpose. Like you can kind of, you want to kind of visually be able to map like, um, where you can go. And, um, and yeah, I think we kind of distill that from the scope and responsibility, um, documents, crowdsource information, as well as, um, just like people like moving companies. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down back to the standards that, um, we've started to put together and that's, um, it's like, how do we evaluate given a company's like leveling document or given a, like what we know about this role at some certain company, can we match that to the description that we have in our standard per se? Right. Um, and if we can't, and you know, typically we can, most companies are very uh, similar uh, on these levelings. There isn't a ton of variation across leveling guidelines across companies. It's just a matter of, okay, like, you know, they might phrase it differently or they might, you know, each company has their own set of like operating principles and, you know, leader tenants that they, that they operate based on. And so a lot of the, the leveling uh, guidelines may uh, encapsulate some of their leadership, whatever their operating principles are. Uh, and so if you, but if you abstract that out, if you take away all that specific stuff, most of the leveling guidelines are actually very similar to each other. Um, and that's kind of what we've tried to boil down into the standard. Yeah, I think like more than the actual scope and responsibility difference, there might be like nomenclature difference or like, you know, just naming conventions and um, you, you'll see like, you know, different titles like L3, SD1 versus MTS and kind of just, um, you know, like trying to uh, normalize that in some sense as well, because, you know, the titling scheme just kind of differs from company to company. Okay, okay. Okay. And so it, it's, it's sort of, you're, you're taking a look at the scope of responsibilities within each company's roles uh, or levels, and then verifying what you see as, as overlap with what you see as the mobility between uh, people making jumps between, between companies. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, and then, so if, it, if, why, why would an engineer want to move from one company to another if if not other than you know this company lets me have free breakfast and lunch not just free lunch uh like what do you see engineers like making the decisions upon to go you know from facebook to microsoft or microsoft to facebook uh uh these types of things or or do you have insight on the on those pieces yeah um i mean people switch for a lot of reasons i don't think it comes down to just one um, or like it's hard to boil it down to some few um, amount of things, but I think some of the top reasons that I would say is like one is to un- you know are they satisfied with their work? Are they satisfied with their manager? Are they satisfied with their peers? That sort of thing. One of the most common reasons is people are simply either bored or unsatisfied with um, you know the work that they're doing or the team that they're on. Um, you know, bad manager or something like that is, is a fairly common reason for folks to actually switch. Um, another reason would be. Um, you know, if you stay at your company for too long, um, you know, there's, there's a good chance that you're being underpaid. Uh, and the reason is, you know, uh, when you switch companies, you're essentially bringing yourself back up to market rate um, because that's, you know, it's at that point when 
um, you know, the company is forced to give you whatever the market rate is, uh, because you're, you're fresh on, you're on the job market, right? But if you're staying within the company, the company doesn't typically have as much of an incentive to actually increase your salary because, hey, you're, you're at the job, you're comfortable, you're not, you know, you're not looking at, there is really not much incentive for the company to keep increasing you to that market rate. And so one of the other big reasons that people switch jobs is bringing themselves back up to a market rate. Uh, and increasing their uh, their compensation, um, and those are probably the two biggest things that I can think of. I don't know if the other yeah. thoughts. Yeah, or even like uh, in addition to just paying, getting paid market rate, you can also jump a level potentially, right? And um, I think uh, like in tandem with kind of like you know like being unsatisfied with your role or like your manager. Um, people are always looking for kind of growth opportunities. And if your current company doesn't offer you like, you know, opportunities to grow or like actually like um, um, kind of expand your role, then people are going to go elsewhere. Right. And I think that's like probably one of the primary drivers of people kind of moving around is looking for growth. Um, and, um, I, and I could say that personally, right. Like for, for myself and probably I think I'm sure Zahir could as well is like, you know, you kind of want to move for growth. You kind of move around to kind of grow. Um, and I think that's pretty like, uh, yeah, pretty common thing. And then uh, do you have any, any advice or insight into how people can level up either, you know, within their own company or outside and, and, and maybe in, in particular how they might use levels, uh, .fyi to, to help them, you know, strategize and, and, and make that move. Uh, and, and how do you identify? So for instance, uh, you know, just, just looking at your site here with, with Google and Facebook, uh, juxtaposed to each other, you know, you could be a level six or an L six at, uh, at Facebook, um, or excuse me at Google, which mostly overlaps with an E six at Facebook, but there's a little bit of an overlap there with, with an E seven as well. How do you know if you're, if you're ready to make that transition, how do you set yourself up for the, the highest uh, odds of success of, of making maybe a, a step up when you when you cross over. Um, that could yeah. either of you. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. I guess well, one thing I'll, I can talk about is the like how do you um, how do you make yourself ready for that? Like if you want to do a level up, basically transition. I think um, one thing to know about those is they're they're incredibly rare, right? So I wouldn't get like um, they're not. Not, you know, it's still possible, and a lot of people obviously do it, um, but it's it's not common, is what I'd want to say. Um, but if you want to do something like that, typically it involves you know folks that were under leveled at their current company, so they weren't necessarily being promoted for a variety of reasons. It could be political, it could be that they weren't given the you know the right opportunities or that sort of thing. Um, but you know maybe they've they've done um, some of that in the past at another company or something like that, right? Um, the main way to make a level up is typically, I think, um, you know, you have to be very clear on that typically in the interview process as well, because when the company interviews you, they're interviewing you at a certain level. And so if you want to level up, you want to be sure that when you're having the conversation with the recruiter, that you're actually interviewing at the level that you want to target. Right. Uh, and so, and usually the, sometimes recruiters aren't as transparent about this, so you kind of have to poke and prod at, okay. Um, they, they may not tell you the level exactly, but you can kind of hint at, okay, what is, um, you know, to, hopefully in that role, you know, what are the roles and expectations. So if you hear the recruiter saying, oh, in this role, you know, you're expected to lead a team of, you know, 10 or lead one, one to two teams or something like that. 
then you'll know, okay, that's maybe in line with what I'm doing today or versus maybe that's slightly a step up to what I'm doing today. Uh, even if they don't tell you that exact, uh, the nomenclature for the level. Um, and so I think part of it is aligning expectations early on with the recruiter, uh, being very clear with them about, hey, this is the, the position that I want to interview for. And to set yourself up for success, you know, being ready um, from an experience perspective, do um, you have the experience? You also don't want to go into a higher level and then, you know, um, basically fail at that level because that's not healthy either, right? Uh, you want to make sure that you have the right experience and the right, um, you know, the right um, framework, personal framework for actually delivering at that level. Um, if you're not able to deliver at, the, at that level, then, you know, you want to make sure that you're actually being put at the, the level beneath it so that you're not going to underperform at, you know, um, rather, and you'll actually, you know, it's always better to overperform at your, at coming at a company, uh, overperform and get promoted rather than come into a company, underperform and basically get let go or whatever else comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, like, I uh, also wanted to point out, like, in recruiting, like, companies kind of always want to tend toward obscurity. Um, and kind of hiding things from you because it plays in their advantage. So you, all, it's almost your job to kind of prod things out of uh, the companies by asking like, oh, what level is this for? And just being kind of explicit about things. And obviously, once you know the level, you can use sites like ours to kind of figure out what the pay ranges could look like. And that's where, you know, you can make your ask for compensation. And we've actually had people like tell us before, like um, when they were negotiating, they explicitly would tell um, like recruiters, like, hey, we use levels FYI and realize this is like at the lower end of the pay band, and then got a raise from that, which was which was pretty crazy. Like, um, I'm not saying to do that, but like, you can you can uh, use these resources in your in your favor for sure. Yeah. Okay. And going back to your other question on how do you um, how do candidates um, how do they actually grow? Right. I think a lot of that comes down to um, the candidate seeking. You know, people should be seeking growth opportunities, really. Um, and uh, if you can find a team, a new team, like personally in my career, I've always tried to find, I've always tried to join teams at companies, which were kind of greenfield teams, new teams, or working on new projects or a new service or new something. Uh, and for me, that I think that was great because it allowed me to, to grow with that team, right? When there's a new service or new team, typically these new teams or services will start small. And as you know, they become more mature. Um, it leads to one more uh, scale, more technical. You know, uh, requiring more technical competence, but also it means an expansion of the team. So that means naturally, as the team grows, if you've been the first person on the team, then you are able to. You know, if you're the oldest person on the team, you have. You know, you're automatically put in a place of influence where you're influencing new people joining that team, new peers. Uh, and uh, new, new partnerships maybe with that team and so on. And so finding those growth opportunities is key. Can you, um, trying to find, and, you know, even when you apply to a company, typically, um, let's say you don't get placed on a team that's a growing team as uh, if you evaluate it, right? Um, within a company, you can often switch, you know, once you're within a company, you can say, hey, like that, that team is growing fast. They're working on some new things and trying to, you know, talking to your manager or having a candid conversation with, uh, the other team's manager of trying to trying to move into those teams. Um, so I think a lot of growing and career growth um, happens, uh, you know, as a result of being in the right place in the right time. And that really comes down to can you uh, 
if you want to be in the right place at the right time, then I think it, there's some effort that you can put in by finding those growth teams and those growth opportunities. And, and do you have any, oh, good, good, Zuhir, sir, please. No, yeah, I was going to say something we like to say is like you want to grow with the company and team you're at and vice versa. You want the company to grow as a result of your work as well. So it, it's kind of like this uh, kind of dual tandem thing. But um, yeah, you want you want to do both. Yeah, symbi- symbiotic relationship there between yeah. between employee and company. Right. Okay. And 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 for for folks who are thinking, you know, may, may, they might take a different approach, a little bit of a different approach, where it's um, like Zahir, I like your I like your um, approach that of you know overperform at your current place or, or role before you look at leveling up. Um, there's there's another school of thought that is. Um, you know, it's almost like fake it till you make it or, 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 you know, jump, make the leap. You might be like biting off a little more than you can chew initially, but you know, you strengthen your, your skills, you strengthen, uh, you know, your, your, your standing and, and be able to, to not only withstand, but actually then contribute and then have that more, more symbiotic relationship. And, and what we see at Outco is a lot of people cut themselves short of, of where they actually can go. So there's this whole self-assessment of where do you actually stand? And a lot of people undercut themselves. Um, of course, we've all been on teams where someone is completely unrealistically over uh, overestimating their their uh, skill set. But um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, in terms of, of people looking to make a jump um, that might not have the competency, do you have any suggestions for how they might go about determining where they actually are um, in order to, 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 to best make that, that leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and that's a good point. I like how you mentioned that, you know, it, it, I think a lot of um, the fact of, you know, jumping into a role and faking it to make it, I think that's, that's very important. And that is, you know, there, th- that is healthy as well. Like there's, um, but I think a lot of that comes also down to the individual um, level. And um, in terms of assessing, whether you know um, whether the current level is the right level or not, I think um, you know part of that. I think it's best to look at how you're performing on your current team and actually um, at your current whatever you are at your current function and trying to you know getting feedback from peers. I think is a great way. Um, you know, I always um, in my past experience, I've always tried to have a candid conversation with my manager about, um, hey, how am I performing? How am I doing? Right. Um, do you think I'm at the next level or do you think I'm at? Uh, and a lot of times they may say that, hey, I think you're ready to move up to the next level, but you need this, you know, X, Y, Z experience. And sometimes that team may not have a project that will give you that experience. Right. And at that point, then it makes sense to actually look for another team or another role at a higher level so that you can actually get that experience. Right. Um, and so. I would say the best way is really to to try to have candid conversations with your peers and manager. Um, and they typically will have, you know, sometimes your maybe your manager is not able to provide that feedback, but your peers, um, especially senior peers. So can you find an uh, engineer that's a level higher than you at your company? Um, and they will often have uh, very good insights into like how you're performing and things like that, just because, you know, a manager might give you a biased uh, conversation based on their, just the relationship. But a senior engineer is typically can can give you very candidly what their honest assessment sort of is. Um, yeah. Okay. And and um, I know we're going a little over here. Do you all have time for two more questions? Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Um, and and maybe maybe some sub questions. Uh, so. Uh, <clears throat> 
if if a if an engineer is not already in the system, which is to say they're not in, let's say, you know, one of the levels mapped out, uh, or or companies mapped out in levels, um, how can someone in say a startup or who's been unemployed for for five years or who is making a leap from an adjacent industry, like, you know, in, or like an adjacent, like, uh, sort of, um, role, like, you know, uh, I don't know, like some systems embedded systems, uh, uh engineer or, or a QA looking to, to make a leap to a, a full stack engineer, like how can they map their skill set across, um, or even just know where they are at in terms of these, these levels, if they're not already in the, in the ecosystem there. Yeah. I think one thing that could be useful is uh, we we try to map like a lot of these um, kind of salaries by location as well, by metropolitan location. So like different kind of um, big cities, you can kind of look at the range of salaries across like the whole industry. So um, we have like these pages where you can kind of check out, okay, this is, this is the median salary in this area. And uh, based off that, I think you can get an idea for like, you know, even if you're coming in from a different industry or tangential industry, you can kind of understand that this is like sort of like the median range. And this is like, you know, the 75th percentile or like, um, and you can kind of look at the percentiles on on those pages as well. And I, I think like location affects pay quite a lot. So I think location is probably one of the biggest macro factors in compensation. So if you have an idea for like location, I think if you can get the range for like um, pay within that location by years of experience or like uh, different kind of factors that you can kind of uh, from your just prior kind of uh, career experience, you can um, you can kind of get a gauge for like what you could be paid. Um, obviously, like it, it's very specific to your situation. So um it, it is a broad range at the end of the day and it's up to you to kind of like figure out like what what percentile you would kind of fall at um, um but i think it the the kind of spectrum gives you a good idea of like okay this is where most engineers fall versus this is like the top one percent yeah one thing i just add is uh typically the level like i feel like uh for most of the levels you you typically can actually just divide the skills into two sort of camps there's the technical competence and then the leadership competence uh and so even if you're coming from a different industry like hardware engineering or whatever else other industry um you may not have the technical competence but you will typically have some of the leadership competence because that's generic regardless of whatever skill uh that you're utilizing right uh and so uh Trying to compare, you know, if you if you want to evaluate yourself, I would look at, you know, those two sort of camps and figure out where you are on that skill. And it might be easier assessing those two skills uh, as two separate things, right? On a leadership competence, have you led a team? Um, have you influenced multiple teams, right? Have you led, um, how many people have you led? Have you led uh, 15 people organizations, 100 people organizations, and so on, right? Um, and at, obviously at a lower level, it's pretty much have you influenced other people in your work or have you simply always just been IC, like executing independently and you know get, being given tasks and executing those, right? Um, on a technical competence, I think that's much easier for people to evaluate, hey, do I have a good understanding of these systems? Um, do I have a good, you know, am I able to build things? Um, and, you know, based off the, sometimes you can get this just from the role descriptions in the companies. Uh, that they provide, you know, they're expected to build the system or expected to know these sorts of things. 
Um, they're very, they're typically much more clear on the technical competence part. Um, you know, you should know XYZ languages or know these sorts of things. Um, and again, some, sometimes those role descriptions on job postings are not like, you don't need to have all of them, right? But it's, it, it'll, I think it still gives you a rough gauge of, hey, do I meet that technical competence or am I meeting that technical competence bar, right? Um, so uh, again, like, I think separating those two things, technical and leadership competence, no matter which industry or where you're coming from or in terms of background, um, assessing yourself on those two skills um, will make it easier for, um, you know, for a person to figure out what level or where, which place they should be coming in at um, and whether the role actually uh, matches what they're looking for. Okay, glad, and, and I'm really glad you brought up that that distinction between the technical competence versus the leadership competence or leadership skills versus technical skills, if you will. Uh, I'm 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 interested, if you don't mind, to hear a a, a little bit more. Uh, as as would you say, as you level up, or or do you see a difference as you you go higher into these levels? One importance shifting between the two, between technical and leadership, uh, and if so. What do you yeah, what do you see, absolutely. and how do how do companies measure for that? Yeah, um, I mean, typically as you go up, technical competence is a lot less uh, necessary um, than the leadership competence, right? And there's just dozens of examples of this where um, I know even personally, for example, from uh, Amazon, there are uh, there are you know there are individuals leading engineering teams that don't have engineering experience necessarily they may be project they may have been product managers or, or project um you know they may have come from a completely separate industry even right um but they're leading engineering organizations why because they have they may have huge leadership competence they may have really good leadership competence and even they though they don't have the engineering competence they they don't need it at that level right because as you go higher um, it's it's less so about um, the the my uh, the minute execution details, and it's more so about okay the strategy, the business thinking, uh, the product direction, um, and the thinking behind it, right? And so that um, as you go up, uh, technical competence becomes less and less necessary. And I'd say you know if we were to go on the, on the ladder, right? Engineering one, um, it's probably mostly technical competence. Engineer two, right? You probably need it's probably like an 80-20 mix where 80%, you know, you're expected to be 80% of the weight is on the, the technical competence aspect, right? At an engineer three level, though, I think it starts to get much more fuzzy where it's probably almost even 50-50 where you're not, you're not doing as much day-to-day -day coding, right? At Amazon, I was an engineer three for some time and I would say, you know, I would spend maybe less than 20% of my day doing actual engineer, like coding. I was a lot of my time was actually going into meetings, into leading a team, influencing other peers, that sort of thing, right? And at an engineer four level, that would be typically like a principal engineer level. That's even less so technical. Although you're you're looked to for technical assessments and technical uh, guidance, right? You're not working with the the absolute minimal details. And at that level, those uh, one one thing that's important to know is typically there's a technical track and then a managerial track. And you also have a lot of flexibility at the higher levels of going between those tracks. So a principal engineer can transfer to like a senior manager. Um, you know, a third level engineer can transfer to becoming a first line manager. Uh, and, you know, if you make that transfer, obviously a managerial, managerial role will require a lot less technical competence than, um, and, you know, obviously a lot more leadership competence. And so there's a lot more flexibility um, as you go up 
and um, with regards to that competence uh, bucket. Yeah, I would I would also tr- like distinguish I think technical competence from like technical understanding in that like as you go higher I feel like um you know you have to have a broader understanding of uh things going on in your organization and that usually involves more of like systems design and things like you know uh around kind of infrastructure and kind of like providing infrastructure around a team and um, and that's why you see like interview questions kind of revolve more around that as you go higher. You see like more systems design related related questions versus just you know uh, actual coding problems. Uh, and I think that's that's what becomes more important as you as you go up, especially in these larger organizations like Amazon or Google or Microsoft. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and also you know I could also see. From maybe Zuhair might be thinking, and at a startup, you got to be able to do everything, want <laughs> it all. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And and yeah. last question here, um, more more temporal, more relevant to to right now. Uh, do you all see anything changing in the market? Do you see companies pulling back on hiring? Do you see the scale, like the the levels changing at all? The demand for any levels, um, or do you see sort of uh, you know not much impact? Uh, maybe difference between big companies, startups, anything? What are what are you seeing in the market right now with uh with the COVID nineteen? Uh, you know, this is being recorded on on in mid April, so kind of in the thick of it. Uh, interested to hear what you're seeing happening in the in the job market on for software engineers. Yeah. I think like one point I will mention is that we are sort of a lagging indicator of a lot of things in that like, you know, um, companies fire fast, but hire slow. So like kind of getting um, this information will take probably like a few months for us to actually realize like the magnitude of what's going on. Um, But that said, like we are noticing like several things. Like I think uh, one thing we released recently is the uh, COVID-19 hiring board where we kind of just posted like a bunch of companies that are hiring. And obviously like um, there are a bunch of companies not hiring right now as well that have like uh, freezes in place. And, um, you know, just recently I've heard about, you know, several pay cuts and not just reserved for like, you know, startups or mid-sized companies, but also like, you know, larger companies like Tesla, for example, had like, I think a 30% pay cut um, across like their, their company. Um, and um, there are there are things like this like kind of going on, but I do think the bigger companies are kind of just better suited to um, kind of like weather this storm in a sense. Um, they ha- they're kind of like heavily capitalized, and um, they do have like kind of like these just pillars of like revenue, and um, it's I think it's harder to kind of move them uh, versus like you know mid sized companies that may not have like you know runway guaranteed for the next few years. Um, yeah, so here. Yeah, I, I just add that um, in terms of higher ability, um, I think senior level engineers were will you know will be will be just okay, right? I don't think this uh, any of the macroeconomic conditions actually affects senior level engineers that much. Why? Because there's always a demand and always a market for those type of engineers, um, that experience, that caliber, right? Um, and it's different from even senior engineering managers, where companies may be trimming down on managers as kind of you know, un- unneeded or not super necessary, but there's always a need for people doing the actual engineering work. And senior engineers, I think, from a higher ability perspective, are always going to be hireable. Um, but, you know, on the opposite side, 
uh, entry level engineers, you know, at a time like this may find it tough. You know, we've seen a ton of companies have hiring freezes and things like that. That said, a lot of companies that have hiring freezes are still hiring for senior level uh, candidates, right? Why? Because there's always a need for senior experience at a critical time like this. That's probably when they need most, you know, experienced folks to actually weather them through the storm, right? Uh, so I think you, we will start to see, and we ha- have already seen people, at, you know, just joining the job market, entry-level engineers, internships being canceled, things like that, right? We will start to see, you know, constraints on that. Um, I don't think the, the senior-level engineers will be affected as much so. Um, if affected at all, um, you know, I think that we're still seeing healthy, like hiring in that area. Um, people are still hiring and, you know, large companies are still hiring, even small companies are still hiring there. Um, and, um, so yeah, I think, you know, that's not to say that it'll get, I think it'll get better. Um, you know, but it, it'll take some time, obviously. Um, but, you know, part of this conversation is you should be asking yourself, am I, can I position myself as a senior engineer? Right. Um, do I have the necessary experience? Right. Um, based on the, the leveling, um, you know, maybe I, I don't think of myself as a senior engineer today, but maybe I am capable for that role based on what I'm seeing, um, you know, in the leveling guidelines and things like that. And if you can position yourself in that, in that role, then you can make yourself more hireable and more attractive to people in this, in this time. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that's something for folks to think about and, and to take away, um, um, through, through, through this time. Yeah. Yeah. That that said, I think there are companies that are thriving in this time in a sense as well. Like, you know, companies like Slack, Zoom, um, there's this gaming company called Roblox as well, where like, um, they're hiring like crazy and they, they expanded their internship program for, uh, for this summer. So if you, if you are looking for an internship, that could be a potential good, good kind of opportunity. Um, so there are things out there. I think you just have to be a little more kind of, uh, do some more due diligence and kind of look, uh, look at the space a little more and see like where where the opportunities are. Okay. All right. Well, any uh, any last words? Anything else you'd like to say? Any any parting words of wisdom for job seekers out there for people looking to level up or figure out where they're they're leveled at? Uh, that's a tough one. Probably the toughest question. <laughs> um, parting words, I think, um, just remain up. I know, you know, the, the times are obviously tough right now, but remain upbeat. You know, everything sort of comes to an end. The COVID-19, uh, the market, the tough economic conditions will come to an end. Uh, and, you know, even if you don't have something lined up right now, um, you can prepare yourself for that end by up, upskilling yourself, right? Learning more, um, doing side projects, doing sorts of things that'll help you um, be more marketable uh, in the in the employment space, right? Um, so regardless of where you are, whether you're you're content with your job, um, you know, or or trying to find a job, this is a great time. I think people are staying home to up level um, in all aspects. Um, you know, people have plenty of time at home typically these days. Um, just staying home, uh, they can. And there's a lot of uh, I think Coursera released a ton of free courses and things. Um, this is a great time to up level. Um, and I think I would say, you know, for folks, um, this, you know, try, you take advantage of this time that, and hopefully we don't have another COVID-19, but this is, this is a great time for, for up leveling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just to add, I think I would say it's also a great time to just like, as I mentioned, learn something new, but also like it could be kind of outside of the bounds of what you were originally thinking about, like maybe something you're just more interested in or, I'm curious about 
you have a lot more time, I think, available now. If you if you are at home and uh, are kind of just sheltered in place, then you can kind of look into other things that you might might have been interested in and try to like pick up a skill or two. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you both so much, uh, Zuhair and Zahir, the founders of Levels.FYI. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate this valuable resource you have out there, this uh, product company uh, for people to, to use and help them further their career. Um, Hope, look forward to seeing how you how you both take it from here and uh, hope we'll be in touch again soon. Yeah, thank you, David.